Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 163 of G.I. Joburg, your friendly fortnightly fireside G.I. Joe chat. Hosted by three South Africans and a Yank, my name is Stephen. My name is Paul. I am Robert. Who told you about the Yank? Um, and I'm Cujo on the West Coast. I'm good to go. Does huh. California still count as the United States, Cooch? Yeah. Or have you guys annexed yourselves? With the GDP of some small countries, uh, one would question, yeah. You're certainly on a different planet than the rest of the United States, but I don't think the GDP has anything to do with that. Hey, <laughs> Guys, I am back in South Africa, and not only that, but I'm back in my apartment. Whoa. After having let it out for a little while. And having a tenant is an interesting experience. Uh, not least of which because you move back into your old space. But there's something about it that's never quite the same. And you're constantly discovering little surprises <laughs> that remind you that someone else inhabited the place. One such <laughs> surprise was a box called... Movie call. Oh, I know. Anyone Bobby familiar call. with this product? No, I am. Yes. What, yeah. What is that? What? Uh, what is it, Paul? It helps a lot if you have um, constipation, and it also helps a lot if you get have like really bad heartburn and stuff like that. Oh. Well, <laughs> the box. The box says for the treatment of chronic constipation. So. Yeah. I guess it's a laxative. It comes in little sachets that are a powder. The powder is then mixed with water, presumably, and then drunk. But That's uh, so crap. <laughs> guys, what <laughs> what amuses me no end is that this stuff is flavored. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Does anyone want to take a stab at what flavor my tenant uh, purchased? Uh, Probably the berry one. There's, there's yeah, a berry strawberry. one and a, there's an orange one. <laughs> I hear a berry, oh. strawberry, orange. Cooch, do you want to take a stab? Green tea? Uh, that's a poor choice of words, brother. I'm going to go with wild cherry. <laughs> okay. Well, <I'm> so American. <laughs> guys, the reason... Uh, and I, I honestly pissed myself when I made this discovery. The... <laughs> The flavor on the box and on all the sachets for the relief of chronic constipation <laughs> is chocolate flavor. <laughs> oh my! F Man, I can't believe that. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> oh, it's the. <laughs> when did GI Joe jump the shark? GI Joe turd. <laughs> Guys, that's just poor taste. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that is terrible. Oh, that is just that is just a shit flavor. <laughs> chocolate in, chocolate out. Oh wow. <laughs> Damn, guys. Anyway, I'm spent. That's my news. <laughs> I'm shame. That stuff is horrible. I'm just saying. Just I've had to use that stuff, and it's terrible. Thankfully, mine was the classic flavor, which is basically bile. Anyway, <laughs> has anybody got any cool new toys? I wouldn't say I'm starting 163 off on high stakes, 
But I will say that planning my convention year, I always have to bounce proposals off networks. And uh, we all know Gia Joe Fest in Augusta, Georgia, late June. I'd like to get there, but I think I'm going to have to, to chat the community up to get there. Um, I'll say this. Uh, the Black Book is going to go live. That's V2 probably in a, about 10 days that's good to know. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it is, and this is the definitive version. I would say the de definitive length, 44 pages. I need two more sketch artists. G.I. Joe, if you're out there, get back to me. It, it could work. It's going to be a new model. I think it will be worth looking at, but here's the thing. If I get to Augusta, Georgia, there was something that caught my eye last time. And Steven had a heavy edit hand when I went reset, but get me back there. There's a piece of architecture that I hear it in my voice. I could literally retell the history of our nation with. I know that sounds pretty heavy handed. Um, get me to Augusta. Pick up a black book. If you're in this episode 163, where we started off with Xlax. Go one through 100. Pick up a black book. You will not be disappointed. It'll help out the peeps on the record. Steven, Rob, go. Hell yeah. Yeah, no, I, I don't have anything new yet. Um, I mean, I've been considering a couple of figures, uh, non-G.I. Joe, but ones that are G.I. Joe scaled. Oh, cool. What? Um, they're Predator figures. I can't remember the make, um, but they're from Japan. The reaction so ones or the... Oh, the higher toys ones. Yes, those ones. Yes, those are very cool. Have you guys got them in the shop? Yeah, no, we've we've had the first two oh, series. Wow. Um, what are they? What do they retail at in South Africa? Just curious. Uh, I think it was about six hundred. So it's, it's just a bit pricey. Is that for one or is that like a two? No, that, no, that's one. That's one, son. One and done. Six hundred for one. Cons one and done. And are they quite accessory laden? Do they? Are they? Are they quite beefy it, packages? It depends on the figure. Um, so some of them come with like a couple of extras, some of them don't. Um, but in general, they're, they're quite cool. They come with like a section of hands, usually at least one, one or two spears. Um, yeah, I think they're quite cool. I like that they're well articulated and to scale to GI Joe. Oh, so they are a little bit bigger than a than a modern era Joe, or are we looking at? Vintage well, era? yeah, they're they're kind of like modern era Joe figures. I mean, they went to eighteen scale, so that is Joe scale. But I mean, predators. That is just the, scary, race yeah. them, the species themselves are taller than humans, so. The your watch are like yeah, they think they're like seven foot or something crazy. Yeah. yeah but I mean, I that's know. just that's yeah. perfect. So it you know eventually expects some, uh, the Joes to go up against predators on on the YouTube's. Robbie, <laughs> I am going to ask if you could please put one of those aside for me. Hell yeah, actually. brother. <laughs> Hell you yeah. heard it on the air, ladies and gentlemen. Whoa. Um, and I'll tell you why. As a modern era G.I. Joe uh, collector, um, dare I say, I have quite a great complement of modern era Joes in the form of Spirit and Duke and Rakondo, and they all seem to fit that Predator aesthetic. And I think uh, our listeners and you guys know exactly which ones I'm talking about. Heck it's yeah, that dude. really awesome Pursuit of Cobra line. And I would love to have a Predator to go with that. Hell I think that yeah. would be amazing. Yeah. Cool. Purchase made. And, uh, cool. So yeah. So we, I'll have a look at your website just now, and then Profits I'll just tell you increased. which one via the WhatsApps, and then you can put it aside for me, and then I'll make some kind of plan. Hell yeah. Some kind of plan. 
did Hopefully it. I get paid in the week, in this coming week for something. So yes. It's coming, coming, guys. You heard it. Paul's getting a predator. I'm getting a predator. We, we're, we're becoming predators. Is Stephen gonna get a predator? <laughs> uh, that had its time in the sun, guys. Uh, I think before Necker took on the predator license, it was in the hands of McFarlane Toys. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I bought absolutely every single one. Some I bought two of because I don't know. I broke them. As, as is typical <laughs> I was with falling toys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it happened to be the one that comes in the two-pack with the alien, which has mm. that neat, like, egg base. You know, the alien egg base that lights up. Yes, it's a fantastic yeah. set. But uh, it did hit me dearly in the pocket to have two of them, just because I broke the wrist claw um, tab on the one. Oh, yeah, man. You can't have a broken wrist wrist claw tab. But then again, the thing was wafer thin and made of very brittle plastic. So, jeez, uh, mm. McFarlane. Such cruelty. Such cruelty to a toy <laughs> opener and player with a... Yeah. No, I, I, I'm glad that McFarlane is cleaning up the act. They're actually making toys that you can play with these days. Um, I wouldn't know. I don't of... trust him with my money anymore. It's done. Well, i got to say... That that Master Chief figure I picked up from them, I'm very happy with. So he was cool. Hell yeah! And I haven't broken that yet. No, I had quite a sad experience with the McFarlane Predators as well. Um, a girl that I was seeing at the time decided to surprise me with a McFarlane figure, which was like really cool. And uh, I got the Predator from the second movie, uh, which I dig. I I love that Predator. And I was really excited, and then I opened it up, no no major issues, and there was no fighting of it, you know, like trying to get it out of the box, you know, it came out of the packaging pretty smoothly, and, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm just dumb, but I didn't read anywhere on the packaging that it had screaming, head falling off action, because <laughs> that's the first thing that happened, I took it off, and his head went, ah, <laughs> it fell off. Oh, and I, I mean, I had since glued it back together, but there we go, any, any sort of excitement about owning a predator figure died on that day i was and then i i just never i never cared to pick up one ever again and prior to that a friend of mine had one of those i think they were made by kenner the kenner predator toys he had one of those that was a lot of fun and that that's actually what sparked the whole excitement about owning a predator figure in the first place aside from the fact that i love the movie and it taught me one of my favorite swear words ever motherfucker (laughs) okay it's a good one so yeah so yeah yeah it is a good one i mean it's a classic and your mother's next (laughs) (laughs) come on kill me you know (laughs) but on the on the topic of 1 to 18 scale toys i've had two very very awesome surprises come my way in this um very short february uh, that we've been enjoying uh, the first one was a surprise package from one of our biggest and coolest supporters, a guy by the name of Gary Viola. And yes, I'm allowed to credit him. I checked with him first. Um, and he sent us a care package. And within that care package, I got the Zartan. Uh, because, I mean, I'm the, I'm, I know I'm the one who wants this one. But we got the Zartan, uh, the Ninja Force Zartan that they announced at Jocon for the collector's club Word. with these like really cool motorbike. Yeah. So that came in with that. Um, also included was a Cobra rage, uh, which is great, but also sad because I know that you guys both have Cobra rages. <laughs> so it's like, you know, so unless you guys need another Cobra rage, 
you're welcome to take this one. Otherwise, I'm very happy to have it here in my home. Incorrect, Paul. We don't both own Cobra Rages. Oh, does Rob? Is it only Rob that has one? It's only me. Yes. An original. Hmm. Yeah. So this one's also, um, you know, red and beige and ready to attack, but that doesn't rhyme. Um. So yeah. So I've got one of those. If you guys want one, uh, Gary sent us one. I'm very happy with my Cobra Fury. Uh, I'm also happy with the Cobra Rage if you guys don't want it, so don't feel obligated to take it. Um, <laughs> there's also a two-pack he sent me with a, a renamed, in my opinion, it's just a renamed um, uh, roadblock and some guy called Crossfire who, to me, looks like, I think it's Footloose. I think it's meant to be Footloose. I haven't actually had a chance to research it. I've had a hell of a week um so I haven't had any. I think you might be downtime. talking about Rumbler, dude. He's the Crossfire driver. Yeah, it could. Okay, but then it could be him. But he's renamed as Crossfire or something like that. Um, oh. So yeah. Right. So Did I'll double check. Card with it. Uh, yeah, he gave it. He actually, it was uh, they in packaging, but they loo- uh, It's loose packaging. So he sent it to me in its original packaging with the file cards and everything, uncut file cards, and their weapons. Wow. So Sweet. it's pretty cool. And it's those, it's those, you know, special collectors, G.I. Joes. You know, the ones that have got kind of the nice gummy hands for weapons. Mm, so Tasty. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was thinking of the guy that came with the remote control vehicle. But, uh, yeah. Th- then, okay, that's cool. That's, that's, um, hmm. That's the Real American Hero Collection era. Like from yes. 2000 and, I'm going to say, 3 to 2005 or 6. Yeah. So it's just basically repaints of vintage figures, and then some of them I know that they they updated their head sculpts, but these two are not those figures. <laughs> these are just the repainted real American hero collection. It's a two pack. It's a double pack. And it's got an Apache on the on the box art, um, an Apache helicopter with an explosion behind it, and it's pretty cool. Well, you know, for two thousand and six. <laughs> actually so. no i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna take that back I, I still don't have any actual evidence in front of my eyes but just so that i um am putting a stronger guess out there i think the real american hero collection was the late 90s and early noughties it's before it the, be that it's before the t crotch era yes no, this is shit. certainly what am I before, talking well about? i'm gonna yeah. click on 98 here no 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 hang on it's the <laughs> Spy Troops era ish, uh, maybe like. It's pre. It's pre Spy Troops. Yeah. 2005, maybe. It looks like it's yeah. Well, I'm gonna check. I, I mean, I'm 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 trolling yojo.com right now. So 2005 is uh, we are balls deep in Spy Troops. So big shoulders and uh, it all. Anyway, let's not bore the listeners. Pooch, <laughs> you brought me to the attention of something awesome. That happened in uh, G.I. Joe comic books. Care to elucidate? I will. I would, before we get away from Gary, the benefactor, or the... I think that works. Um, the person that sent you that care package. Gary Viola, yeah. Ago, yeah, yeah. I learned that his favorite fries are from Chick-fil-A. His best burger is Wendy's. And his favorite chicken is Popeye's. Now you know. Cujo is watching you, Gary. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> wow. That's scary, dude. I'm I'm frightened. <laughs> I think what Steve what do I like? was paying attention is the cover artist uh hitman, uh Jamie Sullivan, um, for IDW is doing kind of a wraparound of what the last five covers, I think, um 
which is a G.I. Joe kind of yearbook photo that, in his words, is better than the Devil's Do one in front of the Capitol building. So there's your frame of reference. But, Stephen, what were you, what caught your eye about it? Or what's, what's the first thing that came to your attention since there's like a hundred or so figures on it? <laughs> and not to mention a couple of vehicles. Well, the vehicle that caught my eye first and foremost, because it is, you know, top left, and that's where my eyes always drawn to first, just I suppose logically. It's the MCC, and at least this artist, uh, to my mind, has solved the debate, at least for himself, as to where the uh, red, white, and blue stripe decal is supposed to be situated. You know, some people put that sticker over the glass, but I think it fits quite neatly in the section above the glass. And I'm not alone, but uh, there is some controversy there. Nice to see the artist uh, finds his way onto my side of the fence. (laughs) You like a little bit of uh, affirmation, particularly from someone who is in deep, shall we say, in G.I. Joe Media. But there are plenty of interesting tidbits. Uh, Obviously, the in-memoriam pictures that some characters are holding up of deceased Joes and affiliates to Joes is interesting because then it brings into question like who is actually dead and who is alive. All of the October God are present and accounted for. No one is being uh, memorialized in a, in a photo, in a photograph. That's curious. And I know that's something that happened not too long ago in GI Joe continuity, IDW continuity, but uh, it's interesting to see this comic book supporting that. Obviously, it's fresh in everyone's minds, so best not to try and contradict. But, you know, it still is a very, very shaky hole to be poked at. Another thing that caught my eye was Cool Breeze. Anybody remember Cool Breeze? From the Benzene? That sounds like a chewing gum. (laughs) (laughs) Cool, Cool Breeze was the most 90s looking guy, I think G.I. Joe, uh, comic-only character ever delved into. He's got like a cybernetic arm, he has a wacky 90s-esque codename, Cool Breeze, but he's alive, and what's more is he's holding a picture of the deceased but revived sneak peek. Very, very interesting well, I suppose it kind of shows you where the continuity is at. I, look, guys, I could go on and on and on, but, uh, you know, it's it's terrible form to nitpick something that is so awesome at encapsulating, like, the essence of G.I. Joe as a team as of now. Um, mm. A lot of people are present and accounted for. There are one or two, uh, more than one or two exceptions, but, like, the the heavy hitters are all there. Um, there is a list I've stumbled upon in recent memory ranking G.I. Joe characters uh, from like the most notorious right the way down to people that have almost no notoriety at all. Um, you know, a single appearance in a single episode or comic book issue. Oh, fantastic. Um, yeah, which is fascinating to, to look at. And I, I dare say that none of those sort of really bottom rung characters are on this. Everyone's kind of top and middle tier characters. Yeah, but Mm. it's uh, fascinating, fascinating to pass your eye over this and just uh, 
check in with yourself as to where G.I. Joe as a team is at. Does anyone else mm. have any insights they want to share on these things? You can get specific if you want. I would ask the impossible in the sense that you don't know any of these characters. Which ones visually would you be interested in, in just looking at this? The Defiant. <laughs> That's a, I like that character. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's the line work on the, the, the fuselage and the gantry. That's some detailed work, man. He spent a lot of time on I like on his that. style. But I like the style he uses. Well, I like his style. It's quite, it's cool. I think Scarlet looks pretty awesome. I think she looks fantastic. The the color of the shirt next to her was a bit weird because at first I thought she was like naked under the purple shirt, and I was like, oh, actually her shirt yes. is skin colored. You're not is that, alone. Is that for cover girl? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then I see Scoopers um sneaking out behind there around. Barricade in there. Wow. Payload must be very hot. <laughs> and, uh, same with Deep Six. <laughs> they must be struggling with the heat. Did you guys notice that Frostbite has uh, got the coloring that uh, Iceberg should have? He's got that. Oh, okay, hold on. Let me find aqua. him. <laughs> Frostbite's got like an aqua uh, sort of body warmer, yeah. which should go to Iceberg. But I mean, mm. that's just like. The smallest of colorist faux pas. Yeah, but also it could. Uh, it's also a situation of you got so much white there that you need to do something to just break it down, uh, break it up a little bit. I mean, you got Sub Zero with these blue, but it's like it's almost not enough. It's still too white, so you need something greenish, aqua-ish. Damn, mm-hmm. this is quite the cost of characters. And then you know you mentioned obscure characters, and uh, I, as you were talking, I just quickly. Googled up, uh, or, or searched on YouTube, on yojo.com. So, okay, so prepare yourselves, guys, because this is the, the best code names for a team ever. So it is a 2001 double pack, uh, release. It's G.I. Joe, the Real American Hero collection, as Steve mentioned. And it's Double Blast and Crossfire, which the 12 year old in me is laughing my ass off at because Double Blast, I don't know why it just evokes ideas of farts. <laughs> and Crossfire just has something to do with P, so it's like this, it's like my, the 12-year-old brain in me just going, ha double blasted Crossfire, ha don't cross the streams. Anyway, Crossfire is like a mix of like Big Ben and a whole bunch of other stuff. He's a complete Frank and Joe, and he's like highly obscure, and he's got a great like real name. His file name is Bill White, but you know how they like write it on the file card, you always have the surname first, so it's White Bill, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is so terrible. Actually, he's from Black Long Tom Cassidy. <laughs> yeah. There's this black cat that uh, wanders into my folks' yard, and I love mm-hmm. cats. Um, and he's definitely a Tom. I mean, the size of his testicles are a sight to behold. <laughs> so I've taken a calling him Black Tom Cassidy. <laughs> oh, that's actually very cool. Nice little X-Men reference there. Yeah. I would so. say... The most obvious controversy is how do you do this piece of art without putting V2 Snake Eyes somewhere on it? Um, uh, but that aside, that aside, um, I think the characters that jumped out at me, if I didn't know these people, I would say that Shooter gets a lot of love from from veteran Joe fans. And the, the artwork of her up front is tight. That's on the left-hand side. I think that's Nunchuck over Jinx's shoulder. 
That's some good yeah. looking. Oh yeah, he looks. And cool. who's that purple dude uh, up with the October Guard? That's Dragonski. Mm, he's the new Snake mm. Eyes on this art. That's, that's, <laughs> the, that's that guy. Why the hell is Quick Kick pictured with Quinn and Snake Eyes? He doesn't really fit. Because they're all dead. Yeah, they're all dead, but uh, when did they ever team up? Uh, Quinn and Quick Kick did not overlap. Well, I, I think no. they kind of grouped them by, like, genres, kind of. You know, like, the, all the, like the, the ninja-type people are kind of together, all the uh, snow people are together, Butterforce 2000. My point is, is Quinn... Quinn was deceased before Quick Kick joined G.I. Joe. Yeah, no, absolutely. I don't think these pictures are meant to be literal pictures that they took of them. They're just representations. Don't make him on it. <laughs> don't make well, Airtight lose his head. <laughs> yeah, I don't know this. I, I'm not going to lie. The character that jumps out at me the most here is the MCC. I really, really love the way he's done it. And the Defiant is awesome, but I... I really like the way he did the MCC. Buddha looks really cool. They gave cool. the MCC doors! <laughs> I love how they filled in the uh, the blank spaces on the MCC. Yeah, with those hatch things. Though, cool. looking, looking at it now, it might actually just be shadowy detail inside. Mm. Yeah, Guys, maybe. Guys, we, we're perhaps getting sucked yeah. into the arts a little bit too much for our own good, because to anyone listening to this, it might be a little bit uh, far uh, to, to cast one's mind. We will, of course, put the share the artwork on the socials, so if you are struggling to find it, check out G.I. Joburg on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we will have it posted All there. All the things. Yeah, all the things, and you'll be able to peruse it at your leisure and not be completely mystified. But all in all, a fantastic, a fantastic tribute to G.I. Joe. And as I say, a great way of checking in with who's who in the zoo, man. Testing yourself, even. Can you name everyone in that massive wraparound artwork? If you can, you'll get a no, no prize from us. I couldn't. Yet one more reason... To turn up at Ontario at Comic-Con Revolution, where Jamie Sullivan, Larry Hama, um, oh, I blanked, abort, <laughs> but they'll be there. There'll be a lot of joke folks there. So, my question is, how many of you guys have a 40-inch dinosaur in your toy collection? Whew, I got a 40-inch, but it's not a dinosaur. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to hear that, Rob. <laughs> I got a bone, but it's no fossil. <laughs> <laughs> not currently. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the show is exciting. It's not that exciting, you know what I mean? Yeah, so the last uh, thing that I want to mention on my new stuff acquisition chat is I got that colossal-sized T-Rex from Jurassic Park. So I now own a very large dinosaur. Um, which I'm very happy I got, uh, and, and it has been, ooh, I want to say like quite a journey as just, it's always caught my attention and it's something I never actually thought we would see on our toy shelves here. I always thought we'd just get like the first wave of Jurassic Park stuff. And you know, the, that we had that really stunning, uh, first T-Rex they did with the whole tail gimmick and you can make its mouth snap and it roars and does that whole thing. And I, I really did want to get that, but I haven't since seen it since, well, I saw one in Checkers and it was sold out. And I just happened to pop into a Checkers, which is, I suppose, the equivalent of like a Kmart or something. And it was so cool to see him there uh, in, in all of his glory. And I sort of, um, I did some mental gymnastics about whether I should get it or not. And uh, even opted to get the smaller Bite and Fight Rex, which 
technically is more to scale with the Joes. And uh, I conferred with the, the rest of the G.I. Joe crew, uh, G.I. Joe Bo crew to see if what they thought and get their opinions. And ultimately, what ended up happening is I made it all the way to the counter with the bite and fight Rex, the smaller Rex. And I was just about to get to the checkout. And then I pulled the pin and I just threw myself out of there. And I just went and put him back. And I was like, no, no, what am I doing? Uh, you know, it's a really big T-Rex toy. It costs this much. You know, I'm being like stupid, whatever. I left the place and just went for a walk around. Eventually came back to just maybe get a second opinion on that giant Rex. And what had happened is I I came through the toy aisle. Oh, I walked through the toy aisle. I spotted the, the Brachiosaur, which was also um, a surprise to, to have seen it at the at the shop. Never thought we would get that. I mean, the Rex is one thing, but the Brachiosaurus is pretty obscure. Uh, it was like seeing Dino Riders on the shelves again. It was amazing. And uh, anyway, I was like excited about that. I thought that was cool. And then I turned the corner to where the, the giant T-Rexes were kept. And for some reason, I don't know what it was, just the packaging was obscured and I just didn't see it. And actually my heart dropped and I thought, oh crap, because it was actually payday weekend. So it was like the super busy weekend everybody's there the aisles are just packed with people and there's just queues you know there's these long queues waiting for, to pay for you know trolleys full of groceries and i figured up oh, two lucky kids got themselves a super colossal uh, t-rex and my heart sank it actually dropped i went oh that sick feeling and then when i sort of walked a little bit f uh, more forward i saw it was there and then i knew that is when i knew i had to get it because if that's how i felt knowing it was gone that was the feeling that I was like, nope, I'm going to get him. And I got to say, he's a really cool toy. He's a lot of fun. Um, no, like, terrible, annoying gimmicks or anything, which is great. Um, because gimmicks can get a bit funny. But just the sheer scale of it is is insane. And he looks great. Even though he's a little bit too big for G.I. Joes, he looks great eating them. And you can <laughs> get him to eat a few G.I. Joes. And he's got, like, a little flap under his belly. And it looks like he's pooping out G.I. Joes. That is in <laughs> so, yeah. Double blast. Double blast, exactly. And she's an attractive toy, and I've had a lot of fun with her, and, mm. uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, we've, we, you know, it's great. Yeah, it's bonded. I, I'm, I'm gonna take some photos. We've bonded. <laughs> Not like that. But there's some great little photo ops, um, that this Rex and I are, are going to experience, because, it, and it's, and it's gonna end up in a video. So maybe not a G.I. Joe versus Dinosaurs video, because that would be obscure. Uh, we don't want to do that. But I, I've got like one or two cool ideas planned for the channel. Um, I hope I can pull them off, because this thing, although it's really awesome, a lot of the shots to really get the scale down, uh, to really get that working, it's that's going to be quite tricky. But it's going to be cool. It's going to be super cool. And I finally have a, a, a Jurassic Park toy. I'm like really, really happy with my big Rex. Anyway, guys... That's me. I've actually got new stuff. It's it's really nice to say. And uh, Rob, I'm very excited about those predators for you, man. I I really hope that you you get one because you seem to really like them. Hell yeah, so. brother. We're gonna do this. So yeah. what is the we're gonna do it? What is the topic tonight, guys? What are we what are we discussing? In the world of GI Joe collecting, one must always prioritize. Some things mm -hmm. shoot to the top of the pile. Whereas other things are relegated to the, gosh, only if I have nothing else I want to buy and it's staring me in the face pile. But of course that leaves a big, wide, open no-man's land, filled with the toys which 
We really could go either way on. Tonight, we debate G.I. Joe toys that are beige. Whoa. <laughs> Literally beige or... Like boring. Yeah, like tan clutch and <laughs> tan grunt. No, I'm kidding. Uh, this was a topic that uh, is open to some interpretation. I know I've gone very hard on myself to try and find something that still fits its way into classic G.I. Joe. Uh, but I would not ever, on pain of actual effort, go out and get I mean, literally, someone would have to put it in my hands and say, It's yours, young man. You can have Take this it. one on the house. And I'd be like, mm. You can keep it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm not sure I have the space. If I do have it, it's not exactly going to be a centerpiece. It's not going to be something that shuffles its way to the front of the display. It's kind of being, it's going to be there to just tick boxes. That is what we are debating tonight. Each one of us is going to offer into consideration a beige toy that our opinions are kind of never particularly strong about, and the other three are tasked with convincing that person why they should pine for it. Spend your what money. merit is. Well, look, I like this topic for the simple reason that, like, we are in a position to offend people. Uh, like, say, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of the whale, but, like, everybody loves the whale, so I'd piss everybody off if I said, eh, mm, whales, take it or leave it, so I don't really care either <laughs> way. But you guys are going to sing its praises. So in one very succinct podcast package, you're going to get both criticism and praise, and overwhelming praise, because the praise is where we need to convince ourselves. Do you guys want me to kick it off, or uh, does someone else... Is someone else burning inside to, to, to give us their middle-of-the-road G.I. Joe Cobra toy? <laughs> no, I, I think you should kick it off. We haven't heard enough of your voice tonight. Yeah, to you, oh, you haven't right, said anything, though. my dude. That is right. We we really haven't... We've, there's actually been more Rob, Paul, and Kuja than Steven uh, up till now, so that's... Sounds like a good episode to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for that episode that doesn't have me at all. It's coming. Come on, guys. It's Surprise coming. me one day. Surprise me. Uh, okay. So, as I said before, I wanted to keep it classic, but definitely middle of the road. So you guys do have your work cut out for you. Part of me wanted to go with the the big dog and say the Terradrome, but uh, I do think that it being the only Cobra base kind of puts it on a pedestal that or an Ottoman, <laughs> that uh, is hard to usurp, um, even though it is a space monger. I'm going to say, gentlemen, your task this evening is to convince me why I need a slugger. Wow. <laughs> okay. I was so worried that you were going to ask us to convince you to get a tarot drum. This is where things get interesting. Because... <laughs> The slug, this I chose the slugger too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. You son of a bitch. <laughs> so, it's North America and Chatty Paul. I have to convince you to buy the slugger. <laughs> because I, I, I believe wow. I already own the, the driver, so I'm, I'm kind of like halfway there. 
but I don't actually own the vehicle that he comes from. So th- let me just preface this quickly before before the uh, the, the arguments begin. Um, there's a certain, I suppose, class of vehicle that I'm generally not interested in owning, and I think that's generally the ones that are kind of like cannons, things that shoot things that you can't see. So there would be something like the Maggot, the Persuader, and uh, the biggest of all probably the Slugger. Slugger to me is, is kind of the most boring looking of them. Like the Maggot is this awesome, weird, angled, shaped thing, um, and obviously it comes with worms, which is a really cool driver. Um, the Persuade is also another really angled, weird thing that, that I could kind of see myself only, but not really. Um, but then there's the Slugger, which is kind of like, it's just there. It's got six wheels. It's got a big cannon. I don't know. I like the driver. I mean, I have the driver. What do I need the vehicle for? Convince us, guys. Make us want this vehicle. If, uh, I think, to be very honest with you, the only way I can honestly, honestly think of convincing you to own this vehicle is that if you could never get the driver by himself. Because oh, uh, Old Thunder is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I guess I don't need it then. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, although, i got to say, it does at least have a play feature, which is so much better than the vehicle I'll be proposing. And it's got some great detail in it. Uh, in the inside, it's, it seems like it has removable hatches at the back. And one thing that it has going for it, and I know that this is important for some people, and, and it may even be important for you, and you just don't know it yet. Hang on, Paul, is that just it has, specific, what removable hatches at the back? What do you mean by that? Yeah, it's got, it's got a, a, well, according to 3D Joe's, it has a hinged access hatch lift to reveal engine details. So it's right there at the back. It's at the, yeah. Oh, the in a, yeah, removable yeah. engine cover. Okay, gotcha. Hmm. Yeah, there we go. Um... Which, and i got to say, the detail looks pretty cool. I mean, it's pretty standard G.I. Joe fare. Um, another thing is it's a vintage G.I. Joe vehicle. So that thing is actually, it's it's two halves put together. It's not just like a sort of a vacuous sort of shell. You know, that if you turn it around, you're going to, you know, all the illusion gets taken away from it. So at least it's got that going for it. It's a solid construction. Um, also, and, when I, and I mean vintage, I mean like early vintage. Um, that whole um, sort of, play feature at the back where it can shoot out that uh, I, I can't think of a good name for it right now but um it looks like a spade but it's actually not i mean like a front end loaders kind of spade thing but it's actually to to help with the recoil of this of this massive gun i think that's a pretty cool feature and i think i i mean i i don't know uh, because i've never like it's a recoil stabilizer there we go um that looks like fun, and I wouldn't be surprised if it has some kind of interesting locking mechanism um, to, you know, so that it's not just like flapping out every two seconds, which is a good design in a toy. It has a feature. Uh, the cockpit detail, although minimal, is fun. I'm so glad that Thunder wears quite a robust helmet because he's right next to this big bad gun, so his hearing is going to deteriorate over time, um, you know, because there's no way to hide into a hatch, and the only the, uh, and I, I will be fair, the one hatch that I would love to have open doesn't. It's just a molded hatch. I think that would have been way more interesting because uh, then you could have maybe tried to fit in, an, 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 in like a driver or something in there as opposed to just one guy that looks like he's just... But as I was saying earlier, one thing that I, I know is kind of important to some collectors is that this is very um, military looking. It's got a very strong military aesthetic. It's not designed to be pretty it's designed to be fully functional 
I think it can definitely find some place in in a in a GI Joe book episode. I think it could find a place in your playtime. It's a it's a howitzer, dude. I mean, it's it's a big bad gun, you know. And I know that there are other big bad guns, but this is the first big bad gun that GI Joe has, and I think it, for that it's worth owning, you know. Mm. Cujo. Mm. Comprehensive. Um, I think. <laughs> Robert, you're forgetting who are they shooting at? You're forgetting about the battle against the garden gnomes. I think this is a good outdoor piece. It'd probably be good to shoot in the garden. Um, it's got good camo, got good stickers. I think you should own it for that because it's a long range. It can just sit in the corner of the yard and take pot shots, you know, create randomness. I don't know. Is the driver's head really small? It looks that way. I'd say Thunder has a rather good head sculpt, to be honest. Hey, Rob, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, generally Thunder is quite a cool figure. I mean, for me at least, I already own the yeah. figure. Yeah, so. I think he's got a great head sculpt. But I think maybe his his outfit is kind of like a bit buff. He's kind of pr- protecting himself against the re- reverbs of the, the giant cannon. I like it. It's a classic. <laughs> yeah, but do you like it enough to convince us of its merits? I mean, on the topic of camo... It always bugs me that a a G.I. Joe vehicle as early as 84, when G.I. Joe was very much like the green team, uh, with exceptions. I mean, obviously, you had the Vamp Mark II come out that year, which kind of expanded into a desert role. I think the presence of a mottled camo pattern on the Slugger kind of puts it in a category of its own. Like, I want the G.I. Joe motor pool up to that point to have a certain through line, and that it's this, you know, shades of green. They are, they do have slight variation, but none of them possess any kind of, like, actual camo pattern. So to see it on this one vehicle and never repeat it ever again makes it very much more skippable for me, because it's not going to look right next to a Mobat and a Vamp Mark I. The counter I would have to that argument is that the howitzer uh, benefits from being camouflaged like that because it's never meant to be in a front line. It's always meant to be a support firing vehicle. Mm, the it's meant slugger, to be, uh, you hidden mean, in yeah? the tree line. I mean, sorry, the slugger. <laughs> I, I don't even know what I said. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's always meant to be sort of hidden in the tree line um, and it's supposed to get that support fire. So I think that when it was designed, they thought, hey, it would kind of not make sense if it, if it was just green because then it would just be this green silhouette and it would be easy to spot, at least with the, the sort of uh, almost NATO color um, camouflage that they've got for it. It works really well if you put it in... I would imagine it would work really well if you put it in amongst some trees and things like that and you just had that barrel protruding out of somewhere and then you have it, had it covered with some you know, grass and leaves and things. I think you could make it a really fun toy. I don't see this as, you know, the vamp and the APC and the Mobat all rolling out into combat and there's like the slugger next to it going, hey, hey, I'm here too with my big boner. You know, uh, you know, it's more like, okay, you guys go, boys. Go, go. You've gone too far. I can't shoot them from this far. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. That's at least the vibe I get from it. And it's cute. It's a cute little tank. Oh, how it's, it's not a, a tank. It's, it's a cute little arm. Yeah, it's an armored. It's an armored uh, vehicle, but it's cute. I know it's not a tank because no, it's, it's an artillery. It's mo- mobile artillery. Units, yeah. Um, which also perhaps doesn't help in making it a crowd pleaser because 
exactly how much fun is it to play out the artillery? And no offense to any actual members of the armed service who are artillerymen and women, but you know, you're kind of far away from where the action is. You're shelling indirectly uh, to cover the advance of the more exciting ground forces like, you know, the infantry and the, the armored division, tanks and troops. This is coming from a guy who had a thunderclap growing up, and I found that to be quite an isolating play pattern. I used to just use the scout vehicles as frontline vehicles anyway. Um, but the, the cannon itself, yeah, you're kind of married to being held back and just shelling. Woo! We're dropping it on him now, guys. We got him. This we can't fun. see him, well, but yeah. we're definitely hitting him. Make it rain. You have to have uh, a very good imagination to play with the, the running thunder or the, uh, the slugger, I guess. Thunderclap. <laughs> But at least the thun- the thunderclap, I mean, it it definitely is of its ilk. It is definitely an '89 vehicle. It mesh, you know, it, it's part of that milieu. Whereas the slugger, to me, looks like it could be a core vehicle. You know, something about its dumpy, like rather yeah, truncated, like and and for such an enormous barrel, it's got such a short. Uh, vehicle length that like that thing was just kind of rock back I mean good thing it's got that kind of rear bumper spade as you called it oh stabilizer yeah yeah. because like that cannon must just throw the whole front end off its wheels although like one thing that makes this thing a lot more fun though now that I'm looking at it uh, if you have to open your mind a little little bit you could actually get this thing to tow I'm opening my mind (laughs) a little bit good Good, it just hurts. a little bit. It hurts. Put it back. Hannibal is eating our brains. No, but like this is something that I think is actually quite well thought out because it's got a tow hook, which is great because you can get it to tow the twin battle gun around with it, which can provide support fire, which can protect it, which is pretty cool as well. So you can actually have like a great little infantry emplacement there with this little twin battle gun to to protect it from aerial assaults. And what was Cobra dishing out during that time? Well, we have to worry about the first fang, which is a problem. And, you know, those twin guns could definitely do some damage to a fang. Hopefully, if it does its job properly, the his can get close to it, uh, which is great. And also, I'm sure G.I. Joe is going to love it if they are in a tight spot fighting, um, you know, powered snake armor. And they can just call thunder to make it rain. And, yeah, then... You know, no more of course, armor. if there's a rattler in the area, you better say your prayers. Man. Yeah, well, that w- that's that is of course the weakness. So one has to hope that you know the flak cannon is not too far behind, or the um, or you know even the pack rats. You know, I will say <laughs> this know, much: to... like, it's nice to see that the design of the cannon is offset, because there's a, bo- a really bonkers notion in some GI Joe and Cobra vehicles where you basically have the cannon barrels sort of end. And the operator's legs or chest begin. I'm looking at you, maggot. Uh, <laughs> looking at you, maggot. <laughs> or even the flak. The flak is a gun that, like, the the operator is directly behind where the barrel is. Like, if it has any kind of internal recoil dampener, where's that barrel going? Right into his chest? Um, the rage is another fantastic example 
where it is almost as if the gunner's legs are going one into each of the the rage's uh, barrels. <laughs> Cannons, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Look, I was I, having I, a look at that the other night. Yeah. Well, I realize why it's done in a toy uh, and not in perhaps the conceptual art. And that's because you want to stick as many damn figures as you can in that thing. It's kitty appeal. Totally. Uh, that's exactly what we wanted from our vehicles. We wanted a number of nooks where figures could sit and operate things. The more, mm. the better. So, so what you're saying is, is, is that if we are looking to buy you an obscure GI Joe vehicle that we know that you don't have, we should rather just settle to get you a bomb disposal vehicle instead of the slugger. You know what? Those smaller dio pieces uh, do have an appeal for me, because mm. you know, say you've got a, a flag, like the deck space is going to get cluttered up pretty quickly with aircraft, but you know, mm. like a, a weapon transport. That's cool. That's great. It scales nicely and it builds that world. You know, it can't all be okay. rock stars like dragonflies and rattlers. Sometimes you gotta have love for the little guys. So yeah, I'd sooner like I'd, I'd sooner take a not quite the bomb disposal, but certainly the uh, although tripwire needs something to ride around on. So maybe I don't know. The weapon transport is something that I'd rather have over a slugger any day. Um, and cool. I say that thunder I, notwithstanding. I hear you. Okay. Mm. Although I, I got to say, just as a sort of an added caveat, um, looking at these things online through sites like 3D Joe's and through Mark Bellamo's book and yojo.com, Google searches, etc. Uh, I, I got to say, like having seen a lot of these vehicles at JoeCon and having the the privilege of seeing a lot of them at Greg's house. Uh, there are some vehicles that I would never have picked up or ever considered just by looking at them or by looking at their online representations. Uh, but when I actually saw one in the flesh and I actually got an idea of how big it actually is, because, you know, some some of these toys are quite deceiving. You think that they're bigger than they are and some are actually, you know, smaller than you think they are. And I can't, I, I, remember, the, I remember the slugger being fairly compact, you know, so it doesn't really have that big a footprint. Which is also kind of an appeal as well. Cause oh, hell yeah. It that's is a one-man vehicle. That's the first thing that yeah. came out of your mouth that actually is a, a plus in my, you know, in my considerations. Yeah, compact. Not to help the opposition out, but um, Stephen, have you considered maybe the, the 1991 or 1997 versions of the Slugger? Because the 1991 oh. mail-away version doesn't have the camera. And then the 1997 version is, is, is a beige vehicle. Hey! <laughs> so, I can't speak for the 97 version, but I know that the Mailaway uh, commands premium prices. Ah. It's slightly rarer. Though, to be perfectly honest, and to my, you know, I'm gonna recuse myself because I've never actually once eBay searched Slugger. So I don't know what the going rate is. Well, I was, are. I was hoping uh, our opposition would, 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 uh, would be doing that right now. But uh, apparently, I I have to do this for them. <laughs> I, I'm going old school. I'm looking in Bellamo's book. Okay, I want to find. On this average, stuff. a complete slugger only goes for about fifty dollars. It seems, um, not including the figure, because wow. the thing is, still too much. The thing is, that is a lot. Actually. Thunder himself yeah. goes for fifty dollars on average. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Himself, whoa. What? So they they've completely separated what? out Thunder. He, on average, goes for approximately fifty dollars. 
It's that helmet, dude. So in in this situation, it's all but between forty and fifty dollars, just for a complete version of Thunder. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So in this situation, whoa. it's actually easier to convince me because I would be spending a lot less money to get actually to finish Slugger than it would be for Steven, because this is a huge outlay of money. I mean, you, you're paying a hundred dollars to get the figure and the, the vehicle, and then probably another forty to fifty dollars shipping to get it here. So it's $150 minimum to earn a complete slugger. Boom. Wow. Yeah. We've labored slugger. <laughs> <laughs> so who's buying a slugger? Hmm? <laughs> who's who's going to get one? Who wants one? I'll go so far as to say that, like, not only will I not be getting a slugger, I would uh, palm a slugger off onto... Probably you, Paul, I guess. <laughs> Rob's not a fan. Um, and I have a Thunder, which is cool as well. So I mean, he doesn't have do. a crotch, but it's okay. Oh, I do have a Thunder, yeah. Very good. I, I, well, I, yes, yeah. I, I would... If, if anyone was to mistakenly, having not listened to this podcast... <laughs> All the way through. A slugger, it, would be, it would be yours, Paul. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. Uh, is that the, the final word on the subject, gentlemen? Should we swing the mic over to uh, another... Another beige vehicle? Yeah, I think... What makes yeah. Robert ride the fence? What, what makes me... Probably the price. The price is a bit is a bit high. Um, and, yeah, as I said, it's a vehicle whose play pattern is, yeah, you're shooting at things out of sight. I mean, I like the idea that you can kind of just put it somewhere and have it just be a display piece. <laughs> but but you're not... You, there's nothing much to do with it. Um, I, I don't see what you can really pay with it so much. Um... I think that's probably what makes me ride the fence is that there's no direct interaction between this and enemies. It's essentially it's a it's a play pattern in its own. You're kind of like setting it up somewhere. Yes, you can kind of roll in something else to protect it. Maybe you can have a, a little bit of a fight, but it's not going to survive long against any Cobra forces that kind of come against it in force. Yeah, so I, I don't see myself. Yeah, I, I I'm still quite unconvinced about needing to own this. Um, so I think uh, that's that that's a win. For me and Steven, we win. You guys lose. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just to clarify, Cooge, uh, Rob and I both uh, both picked the Slugger. Yes, which was fascinating. Steven says Slugger, and I was like, wait a minute, that's the exact yeah. same vehicle yeah. I'm on the fence about. Kapow. How does that Cooge, work? what you got for us, brother? Double Jeopardy. Oh. And since you asked, the cannon absorbing powers of the Ascot is what balances the maggot. Um, I think what I'm on the fence about, it could be a, a, a pick'em, but I do, I do like the smaller play setups. I'm on the fence about the Cobra bunker hmm. or the surveillance port. They both have their, uh. which one is the one to get? Well. I can I can chime in because I thankfully have the Cobra Battle Bunker. Um, compliments of Jim Godfrey. Uh, that is also something I never ever thought I would want until I had it. It is, it is cool because it is so low on frills. It's just a fun little diorama piece. Uh, you can really get a lot of like action out of it. If you are one of those kids who you know, maybe didn't have a lot of cash or, you know, didn't have access or had, your parents didn't have a lot of access to money and they wanted to get you something cool. Uh, getting any one of those two sets, I think, would be so cool because firstly, 
um just having one of them you could play out all of these great like defend the bunker this is the last cobra bunker you know if, if gi joe takes this you know we are lost forever and you could really like play up all, all of these really great scenarios you can almost have i mean it's, it's almost as much fun as maybe one of the biggest sort of bases and uh i didn't know and and i've never ever even considered this as an option but looking at it uh, on it on 3d joe's right now I see that if you buy two, you can make it look like a cute little pillbox kind of situation. Uh, so you can put them together, and the diorama actually marries in that regard. So that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. That makes that makes me want another one of these. I, actually. I don't think it marries uh, perfectly. Sorry, don't don't mislead the listeners. I mean, I I well, the, the I'm basing does. this on Timmer's review. Is this slight? Oh, okay. I mean, it it, yeah. it can look good, but I don't think they are like Jello molds. You know that you can just slam yeah. together. No, they don't clip uh, or anything. I'm basing yeah. this on nothing, no actual knowledge of my own, just hearsay. Yeah. So I mean, looking at the 3D Joe's thing and and having a, an experience or having experience with this toy, there aren't any clips to suggest that it could like clip or, or like get stuck to another one. Um, but the base, for example, marries. Like the the lines are say are the same. It's it's homogenous the way that it comes together. So that's pretty cool. But it had, it just has a lot of fun stuff going for it. I mean, it falls apart really easily, which is a win and a, which can be a pain for some people, but it also has a whole battle action thing. So you can blow them up. Um, so you can set one up and then you can like blow it up by like, you know, with your hands, you can throw it up in the air. I don't think, I sadly don't have the missile for mine. I just have the bunker itself with the two guns. So the missile is definitely missing from mine. And that looks like it could be a lot of fun. Missing missile. But I would say, the missing missile, but just speaking from pure experience, the bunker is a lot of fun, and so and the surveillance port was always something I thought was pretty boring until I realized that you could actually have these great moments, uh, and I think it's because of the GI Joe book thing where we do the play motion stuff and whatever's that it's great to have those kind of you know play sets that you can have fun with like that, you know you can have guys at the guard tower and you know the shenanigans that they get up to you know being there because you know it's not a fun job to do so you know that that would be my thing and i'm sure they're pretty cheap you know so i'll look for that while somebody else supports my argument <laughs> <laughs> so cooch i want to know are you asking us to make up your mind for you as to which one is a more worthy addition to your collection I think uh, I, I'm, I'm with Paul that I like uh, the kind of scenario it sets up. But yeah, like the bunker is definitely more aesthetic. It, it almost the design is almost grander than the uh, the size of it. You don't see that Cobra font too often. But yeah, yeah. If, if you see something in the surveillance port that, that speaks to more action. Yeah. Sell me on it, I suppose. Uh, I think they are complementary pieces, to be honest. You're a fan of the Asp, right? Asp is... I like the Asp. <laughs> you know, he, he's all the way up in the Asp. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so, the way I envision this is, if you're a fan of the Asp, it cannot be a solitary vehicle. Firstly, it's a towable weapon system. But you don't just want to leave it out in the middle of a field with nothing in support of it. You need some kind of protecting elements because it is an artillery piece. It is used to fire shells upwards, not so much line of sight. So what's protecting its ass? 
<laughs> the ass of the asp. Well, Cobra Bunkers. That offer good vision, offer a bit of armor, offer machine gun turrets. And also, if you're engaging aerial targets, hell, even stuff on the land, a radar unit that you can attach to the, uh, the ASP is necessary. So the surveillance port marries well with the ASP's play pattern as well. I mean, if you think an ASP can survive or, or can function optimally just on its own, you're dreaming, brother. It needs help. It needs these two dio pieces. So it forms part of a very cool, like, three-headed snake, basically, of, like, Cobra artillery encampment. What say How you, does Rob? that sound? Well, I, I, I think, yeah. I think what Steven's going on is actually quite good. I mean, you can't choose one without the other two. You kind of have to own all three of them. Um, what I will say is that the the bunker is fairly cheap, so you could quite easily get two bunkers. The surveillance port, on the other hand, I, I'm struggling to find on eBay complete in any any form, except like mint and box, and and that's probably going to set you back a uh, hundred dollars, it seems. <laughs> but the cool thing yeah. about so if, these dio pieces is that they yeah. don't have to be complete. They can have other sort of cobra bits and bobs cobbled onto it, you know, populate it with figures, and it easily makes up for the fact that it's missing a cannon or a machine gun. Or a missile, yeah. Precisely. Hmm. So if you're not worried about completion, then, um, yeah, that, that's definitely a thing in his favor. But I think what Steven set up here is, is, is quite, yeah, you, you, they all work together. More so, I think, than a lot of the, the G.I. Joe kind of like standalone things. And also looking at, um, I mean, looking at eBay now, I'm seeing quite a few specimens here that are going for like $20 or uh, like between $15 and $20 where it's just a battle bunker and the base, you know, the actual floor that it's on. No machine guns, mm. no missile. And yeah, just to add to what Rob's saying, you could have a lot of fun with just that. I'd even go as far as to say that the new um, G.I. Joe mobile game in all of its predatory go- uh, goodness, um, <laughs> I really... Don't understand. Uh, I think it's cute that they have turrets, but they could have actually had battle bunkers instead of the turrets because they serve the same purpose. You know, it's a yeah. it's a frontline defense, and you could it does the exact same thing. It has the same range of fire. It's not shooting upwards. So they could have done that. That would have been really cool. But whatever. Yeah, you can hear I've got a bit of vitriol for that game. <laughs> so yeah, so that that's another thing. You know, like as an owner of a terradrome, these things also enhance the terradrome's coolness because if I was fortunate enough to have a massive room for my toys i would definitely love to set up my terradrome on some kind of terrain base much like how guys like jim godfrey have done for for certain uh well for gi joes and whatever's and then also by extension for wargaming but i would love to have my terradrome set up in that kind of thing and then have some of these battle bunkers like you know sort of sprinkled around it um, just yeah. to add to that They aesthetic. definitely have a, a, a nice character. I mean, mm. it's cool to see these kind of little bunkers, and they do look evil as well. They kind of think, yeah, they think do. of, like, Nazi kind of, like, little, you know, on, like, Normandy, was it? Oh! I think it's just <laughs> Normandy, you know, they kind of, like, yes, yeah. no, holding it's a off box. The, the, it's... the Allied forces. Yeah, it's a pull box. I mean, I think it's 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 really straightforward. It's well-designed. And it's menacing yeah. and oppressive. I dig it. it yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> Now I want another one. Yeah, Cooch, the artist in you surely must be drawn to the sculpted snake logo. Like that cobra symbol is popping, literally. Mm. 
I do have a confession. It's that I love the co- Cobra Bunker. I just want an excuse to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've been hoodwinked. But but do you get my point that that uh, the three items together make up a comprehensive play pattern? I like yeah, that. You can I do. I, all of the them. only other thing that is a little off-putting about the Cobra Bunker is that Destro taking a knee does not. He doesn't fit on that box. You need somebody more disposable. Yeah. He doesn't really fit inside a Cobra Bunker either. He's a pretty pretty tall mm. figure. Like, he's got to take a knee, dude. Everybody's got to take a knee. Yeah, I'd say that's its only weakness. Battle Bunker rules all. <laughs> yeah, do not be sticking your Cobra High Command in the Cobra Bunker. Yeah. <laughs> Cool, which oh, leaves me then, hey, to he suggest my... Well, I, I want to know, Cooch, do, do, you, do, you, do you think you might be picking these guys up? Or I have think you already? really good in a scenario, like you said, maybe kind of a last stand, Cobra's cut off, you got an ASP, a radar station, and a bunker. You know, that's an interesting story right there. We might have to save that for the next Halloween story. Ooh, heck yeah. ASP, a radar station, and a bunker go to a bar. <laughs> Well, high fives, guys. I think that's a, that's a victory for the convincers. Hell yeah. <laughs> Yay! Absolutely. That's, that's, that's uh, two wins each for me and Steve. And hopefully all of our listeners can benefit from our wisdom. Ha, <laughs> ha, uh, Go home, Paul. <laughs> Which does... <laughs> but before you go home. <laughs> Let's see what Paul has to suggest, because... It's so weird saying my name like that. Anyway. Um, so <laughs> I, I have... Uh, so full disclosure, and Steve pointed this out to me during the week. Um, so my weakness is that I love a lot of this, uh, G.I. Joe madness. Um, especially the toys. And I'm so glad that he said that this had to be a vehicle focused, uh, topic. Because I would have been really screwed. It's very difficult for me to find toys in the G.I. Joe line that I do not wish to own. Or feel that I need to be convinced to buy. Uh, but there is one, there are a few, but this one, this one stands out to me as it's very boring. I've never, I've only ever once as a child seen it and gone, oh, that could be kind of fun, you know, if I had bought everything else. But you guys need to convince me as to why I need to own 1989's G.I. Joe Mud Fighter, because I just can't. It's got, so, it, it's just, yeah. Oh my god, Paul, do you know that it's in a class of its own? Yes, it's boring. (laughs) 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 Have you ever gone up in a light aircraft, man? No, sadly not. No, I haven't. Mm. If that's what's going to take to convince you, Stephen is taking you up in an airplane. (laughs) Whee! I'm going in the glider. (laughs) There's something very unique about... A prop-driven aircraft. When you throttle it up and those cylinders start pumping and those horses start galloping and the thing <laughs> roars at you, yeah, there's something exhilarating and and mechanical and and visceral that you don't get with a jet engine. Jets are smooth. Props, uh, yeah. piston engines are are clunky. And this is actually a turboprop, so it's hell. It's it's more than a turboprop. What do they call it? Uh, uh, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get the words. Uh, Magnus Lauglow <laughs> made an incredible Lego uh, adaptation of the Mudfighter. 
and that fixed a whole bunch of sins that the toy sadly, sadly has. Magnus! We'll get on to that. 1989's <laughs> Mud Fighter is in possession of a 100 FW 1,670 pound unducted prop fan propeller with forward and reverse power modes. Does that mean that it can fly backwards? I don't know. Physics either way, doesn't seem to support it. <laughs> either way, unfortunately, it looks like a uh, submarine screw. <laughs> they, I think, had been constructing a sub of some kind, a GI Joe sub, and uh, just slapped the rudder. Oh, sorry, slapped the rotor from that sub onto the back end of this plane. But as a prop-driven plane, it is in a class of its own in Classic Joe. Not only that, but it's small, compact. It just makes a lot of noise, man. There's a lot said about it in the accompanying media, uh, about the noise. I think it's on Dogfight's file card. It's, it's also in the blurb somewhere uh, on the Mud Fighters packaging or paraphernalia. That it's just loud, slow, but carries a fabulous complement of, of bombs. 16. 16 dumb bombs. That's a lot of bang for such a small thing. That's a lot of stupid. And it looked I mean, good in Operation Dragonfire. I mean, so, like, where you had me is I like propeller craft. I mean, the same, for the same reasons I love muscle cars. There is a there is a thing about them. There is a sort of, like, a danger a dangerous sort of aspect to them that is very sexy. And I do love the whole... There, let me just, to, to paraphrase it this way... They are analog, and that makes them very cool. And there is a Japanese fighter that was called the the Shinden, which is also a rear prop uh, aircraft, and I really used to love it on this one PlayStation 1 game that I had where you play Japan during Pearl Harbor. Three guesses, that game never went anywhere out of Japan. But it was interesting to fly that, that craft, because it was, that was like the super craft in the game. So that, that side of it, the mud fighter, like that side of it definitely appeals to me. It's just, ah, there's just something about it. It's just missing something for me. I don't know what it is. It's just missing something that makes it feel like, like you said now, it was most likely a submarine that they just sort of decided, oh, okay, this is going to be a jet now. Paul, it's and missing canopy I, glass is what it's missing. Oh, there is that. I grind this axe every single time in an era yeah. where they have enormous panes of glass on armored vehicles tanks if you will yeah. i'm looking at you raider and you razorback they couldn't put some clear plastic on a plane i know it's supposed to be mm. armored and everything but like it it hurts the look man that uh football helmet canopy no it's, so, it's, it's like a biplane you know i mean biplanes didn't have no canopies <laughs> you could fly those up up out there that I mean, is true. It's, it's got such a cool silhouette as well. I mean, the shape of it is it's, it's like an arrowhead. It's its a really well-designed craft. Um, and keep, I like, like the talking. kind of like black wing wing tips as well. Yeah. And the green is, is, is kind of like a, a darker green. So instead of like a super bright green, I think that's pretty awesome. And you guys um, have played with this thing, so you know what it feels oh, like. Oh, tons and tons. It, it's a lot of fun to play with. I mean, it's, it's chunky, it's thick. Um, it lands quite nicely as well. I mean, it, 
the design itself, I mean, so it doesn't have moving parts where you kind of have to like push things out and push things in. I mean, it's not going to break easily as well. Um, it lands quite, quite, quite well. And it's got like two darn freaking Vulcan cannons underneath the cockpit. I mean, you're riding warm when you're shooting with this thing. <laughs> I was gonna it's say, getting cold up here with this uh, open canopy. I was gonna fire off a few rounds. I will say that once upon a time, I <laughs> I did uh, do I did do a an eBay search for this vehicle once upon a time, but it wasn't for me. I was actually thinking of getting it for Steve, but the search had actually started with uh, getting the human version of Ace Duck dogfight because he does look like the human version of ace duck i mean everything about him actually but i mean i suppose that's just because that's how airmen from that era look i mean that the era that they're trying to capture sort of yeah slightly post-world war ii the pilot has a lot of personality definitely i mean he's that enormous handlebar moustache is to uh keep bugs from going into his mouth (laughs) now that we now that we theorize that there's actually no canopy glass whatsoever (laughs) nice that's why he's wearing the glasses as well to keep the you know keep to be able to keep seeing when he's flying this thing Mm, they're more definitely i mean oh yeah they are glasses (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so so that's like so so the appeal there was I sort of started off looking for the figure because Stephen was sort of muttering on about maybe picking up one of these for himself at one point. Um, but it would only be a little bit later that you eventually did it. But whenever Stephen sort of says that, I kind of go, wait, 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 he's going to get it. <laughs> so then <laughs> I had to like try and find something else. But I did actually have a look and I got to say, to try and find dogfight without the mud fighter is kind of an expensive thing. It almost works out better to just get an incomplete mud fighter with the um, dogfight included. So that was like the only time I was thinking, okay, well, maybe I'd bite the bullet on that. But honestly, other than that, I've just never had any reason to own it. And you guys have got it. You've played with it. So are there any features here that I don't know about? Like, is it just, there it is. And then if I want to like drop bombs on things, I have to take the bombs off and drop them on people or. Yeah, you're going to have to take those bombs off. (laughs) It's pretty straightforward, dude. I mean, it's a very elegant, very straightforward vehicle. So those like sort of black um, tabs that are in the wing when you look at the the craft from from above, they're not like yeah. you click on them and it drops that whole payload on something. That's not like that's not no. that's not a feature. That's just how they how they've. No, that's just how it's attached there. But you could do that if you yeah. wanted to, I guess. I mean, I like features. I I like you know. Yeah, features are cool, but I mean, this thing is really straightforward. It's 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 elegant. It's it's perfect. I think. I mean, as I said, I mean the design of it is really. If, if you don't like the look of it, I mean, I, I don't know how you know. You're not much of a, a guy with a good eye for artistic stuff. If you, if you don't like the look of this thing. <laughs> Whoa, Yo, that's a low blow. No punches below the belt, please, gentlemen. Um, Paul, I, I I I count this as a feature. You can vary the payload. So if you want a uh, uh, to halve your takeoff weight. You can actually lose those yeah. black brackets altogether and just uh, have an 8-bomb payload instead of 16. On the belly. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And it also cool. gives it a cleaner configuration. I mean, you've got an actual wing surface as opposed to this kind of cluster of bombs attached to a very short green slab. That is true as well. It's got a very sharp... Uh, profile when viewed from the top i think from mm-hmm. the front it kind of loses points and if you're thinking back to the catalog image that we poured over as children unfortunately yeah. it's the front uh, profile that that it was photographed on 
Yeah. You know, so you kind of never saw its best side. But top down, it's cool, man. It's easy to hold. I also like it from the back, I'm not going to lie, looking at it now on, on 3D Joe's. It's kind of got mm. a, a flatness to it, because yeah. it's got no vertical stabilizers. Let me run with the easy-to-hold part. <laughs> I think if you're still on the fence, it's got a mini Indiana Jones play scenario. You can have people fighting uh, fighting as they back up to the prop that's warming up. Mm. Uh-huh. Damn! Awesome! I like that. I like that. I think... Uh, have you watched the whole Mandalorian series yet? Yeah, I have. Thankfully, yes. Okay, I think you I might have. have a jetpack scenario. You could clip hands onto those air intakes and throw a grenade through that open canopy, Stephen. Boom town. <laughs> I think it one-handedness. I think it would be a great. Uh, you could, you could be against the fire bat. Like if you see the fire bat in the air, start the prop up. That kind of thing. Jeez, dude, no, man. The sound that prop would make would be more like... Oh, it's just raw power. It is a squat... That's the sound Double Blast makes. It's a... <laughs> this episode brought to you by Chocolate X-Lax. Damn. <laughs> Chocolate-flavored Mavicol for when you're feeling indigestion and constipation. <laughs> Not sponsored. Oh, jeez. You made me forget my point. <laughs> but it's power personified. Oh, yes. Final argument. Uh, if you are at all a fan of special missions, and you should be because it's the greatest G.I. Joe book ever written, uh, the final issue of the classic run, well, the only run of special missions, features dogfight saving the day in the mud fighter. Huh. If you need some convincing, you read that book. You will want a mud okay. fighter after after reading it. It is the the hero of the day and the one least likely because it's not fast, it's not sexy, it is a brute, but it does the trick. It gets the job done. And how big is it? Like, is it like, is it? Conquest size? Is it like this? I'm not conquest. Yeah, is it the size of the conquest? No. Is it smaller? Is it bigger than a shark? Is it smaller than a shark? It's uh, slightly bigger than a shark. Only slightly. Mm. Mm. Well, that's nice because I don't have a lot of shelf space. So if I need to bring, because that's the thing with me with jets, I love them, but they take up so much space. I have to actually suspend them, as you guys know. I have to suspend you, my jet. You will definitely be able to fit this in your room. I mean, you you put it on your like your bedside table and and wake up to it every morning and like kind of <laughs> zoom it around as you you know go about your morning routine. It's I very like easy to it's... kind of one handed. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> and because of its uh, sort of shape, it creates negative space on either side of the cockpit, which you can then fill with. Like a trouble bubble would fit on either side, and that would be oh, okay, a neat cool. sort of block of shelf space. But I like to keep my yeah. 89 stuff together, so my uh, my mud fighter is kind of leading the charge against uh, the His 2 with the Devastator mini tank on the one side, and I think a pair of Alley Vipers charging in on the other side. Nice. Yeah. So okay. So so to make okay. So th- this is my conclusion. If I can get him with dogfight, I would totally get a mudfighter. 
Like, and with that I kick think the vehicle ass is cool. 45 with the, uh, with the that barrel, gun is barrel cool. extension gun is gorgeous, yeah. and the sight. Mm. <laughs> boom, boom, gun. Yeah, I, I, I gotta say, that, that would convince me. Like, the only way, like, I mean, you guys have made a compelling argument. You, you have, mm. uh, you have put a new light on it. I am a little bit more sort of open to, to, I, I wouldn't pass it on, is what I'm saying. If it ended up in a box my way, I would definitely hold on to it. Um, but hopefully if it came with dogfight, because that would, that would be the clincher for me. <laughs> dogfight, mudfight. If it somehow had a missing prop, that wouldn't be a deal breaker for me. Or for you, I should say, I think you could oh, yeah? you could you could fashion a far better prop than the submarine screw. Yeah, I'd I'd say that 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 is definitely a feature that I'm not loving. It hurts the aesthetic quite a bit. It, it does make it look a bit childish. But I guess when know. it's in spin, uh, if you were to blur your eyes when you're looking at a a turboprop plane, uh, they do kind of curve like that. Or not even if you blurred your eyes. If you are looking at, I don't know how often you've ever flown uh, SAF Air uh, Express, but they've got a fleet of turboprop aircraft, and they definitely, it you know, it's the optical illusion of motion, uh, you know, prop in motion, and it kind of bends away from itself. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I see that there's like a purple variant as well. There's like, um, good heavens, where's the European that? one seems to have. The um, European one seems to have blue bombs. Oh, yes. Well, that brings me back to that catalog image I was referring to. That mm. I always thought it had blue bombs, but uh, the one I managed yeah. to get was from the States, and they have silver bombs. I think either are possible. Yeah, so it's not like, like bright orange. Yeah, that is No matter which version you get, it, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to mesh. It's, it's going to work together and look good. It's a really cool, awesome-looking vehicle. I mean, you really can't go wrong. Okay, so I will add it to my... I will add one. But like I said, only if I can get dogfight with it, I will I add it to my, my fleet. Oh, damn. We are three planes. for three, Rob. <laughs> Hell yeah. I mean, Paul, there's at least one I've, I've seen on, on um, eBay. I mean, going for like... Okay, well, that, that it's an auction. $30 auction. Um, yeah. So if, if you jump in there, no, one, no one's bid on it yet. 30 hours, six hours to go. Right, you, okay. you well, can I... nab it. Shipping though, <laughs> as usual, is is, is exorbitant. But the cool thing is, shipping. is that it's a small box because if it's not that much bigger than a shark, then the box is actually quite small, or it's quite small, so it's not going to be that hectic for shipping. Not that hectic, but it'll you'll still be paying as much for shipping as you will for the actual vehicle itself. Not true, but I'm I'm starting to really love this European version with the sort of purpley blue bombs. I'm really digging that. Anyway, I am convinced. I am convinced. I, I think yeah, I would okay. actually wow, add it to my gee. fleet. So, Never saw that coming. <laughs> Real pushover, Paul. It, it, no, it is easy to twist my arm in some things. Listen, there are some things in here that they don't fit the criteria. You know, you said I had to choose a vehicle that I'm uh, that is boring, and then you guys have to convince me. And i got to say that there are vehicles in here that I would just not want you guys to convince me on getting at all, ever, 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 ever. Ever, ever looking at the Cobra Maggot um, and, and others. <laughs> really? Um, well, we were that. asking for beige opinions, not for for never wanting. Exactly. Again. I'm curious. Exactly. Why does the so, maggot get your hate, Paul? I mean, I know this is off topic, but uh, just to round us out, uh, the maggot is it's it's kind of middle of the road for most collectors. Some people absolutely love the maggots, but 
Very few people hate it. Why do you dislike it? It looks like a pain to play with. It just looks like it will fall apart quite easily, and I, I, I think like it, it only looks good when it's joined together, and you know it's got a split apart feature, and when it splits apart, the other two parts, you know, aside from having the big gun, that looks like it's on stilts, which does irritate me. I don't really like the look of that, um, at at all actually. I think the 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 mean dog uh, pulls off that uh, pulls that off in a more convincing fashion. I just find that it's like one thing that turns into three stupid things. I don't like that. Well, it, it's it's almost like it's the it's the thunderclap of Cobra, but like a poorer version of it. Yeah, that kind of is. And then the other thing is, that it also looks like if I turn it upside down, I'm going to get that sort of empty cavity look going for it. You know that, which does actually put me off vehicles sometimes. Um, I don't know why. It's a stupid thing to be iffy about, but. I mean, because there are so many great vehicles that are like that. For example, the Rage. But, Paul, you're making that judgment having never held a maggot before. I'm quite liking the the, the role of championing uh, vehicles that people dislike, because I'm going to say this about the maggot, and it's just occurred to me, but uh, perhaps it's always been in my brain and I've never put my finger on it. The fact that, uh, you know, tonight we spoke about the Cobra Bunker having a kind of a World War II uh, German tech uh feel to it yeah well the maggot feels like a nazi weapon of the second world war it is a sort of exposed driver position weird thing and it's tracked and articulated so it's like Mm. it does feel to me like like one of those lesser known tracked vehicles that was fielded by the nazis in the second world war it's just it's got Mm. like an old school aesthetic to it which does kind of enhance its cool. And you can't argue with the fact that the cannon itself is beautifully sculpted. But at the same time, mm. you can't argue with the very fact Star that... Very Star Wars looking. And, but also very legit, like, cannon looking. I mean, it's got the shaft that kind mm. of tapers. It's got the back end. And we spoke about the fact that, like, I do not like the fact that there's a guy seated right behind it. But I think that's a toyetic mm. concession and probably wasn't mm. so in the original design because the guy seated in the kind of the right angle to the, the cannon seems more like an artilleryman's position. You know, like, mm. you, you, you see images of guys that are seated, kind of, oh, you know, looking the other way, basically, off to the mm. side on the gun. Um, but the point I wanted to make, like, yeah, I believe the maggot is a nightmare of frail parts and easily broken tabs and pins, locking mechanisms. It does have that look. Sadly, yeah, no. Even if it isn't hollow, as you... As you you, po- you pointed out, might be assumed, possible. Yeah. Assumed, it still can't get away from the fact that like a maggot in good nick is pretty premium these days. No, I still love the driver. The Worms is awesome. Oh, Worms is great. If you can get him separate, do it. Yeah, he's. But I think what would make it stunning. What would make it much better is if it didn't come apart at all. I mean, it could yeah, be articulated for moving. For moving, mm. that's fine to have you know the front and the back part. But if it didn't come apart, I think it'd be fantastic. It doesn't need to have that feature. I mean, mm. if you do buy it, you would never need to take it apart. It's the fragility that puts me off it quite a bit. But guys, cast your minds back to being kids. Like, we we can't fully appreciate these with our cynical adult brains that like a thing to <laughs> be, you know, complete in and of itself. If you were a mm. kid and you got this under the Christmas tree on Christmas Day and your friends were coming over that week... You'd be flawed. Yeah. You would need to divvy it up somehow. Mm. 
so that everyone had something to play with. Yeah. Paul, you you made this point in our uh, Condor review way back when that like mm. a big jet toy is only fun for one person. If that jet mm. toy can split into two pieces and not it's look like the people. one is like complete garbage next to the other, like if they both are substantial enough and have removable missiles and bombs and a place for the pilots to sit, then they are still adequate toys and it's fun that you can have with a friend. We need to sometimes disengage our adult brains, guys. And this is particularly evident in a comments thread that I saw, and I know I'm jumping topics, but it has to be said. People laying into the G.I. Joe movie, the 1987 G.I. Joe, the movie, now, and and saying, oh, Cobra Law is bogus, I hate this, I hate that, I hate the next thing, are unable to appreciate it in the way that a child in 87, and I speak very specifically about like a certain age range of child that I happen to be in, fortunately, and I think some of you guys were too, and we were swept up in the magic of this, and everything about it was cool, and mysterious, and macabre, and scary, and dark, and broody, and you know, like, I was once a man! That shit haunted me. So I think even if you mm. were like Same. 10 to 12, G.I. Joe the movie was no longer your jam. Mm. Like it, it definitely, like you had to be in the sweet spot. And anyone who wasn't in that sweet spot is obviously going to hate on it. And it's only going to fester and get worse with age. But I think that movie is, it plays perfectly to its target market of kids that were rabidly consuming the toys in 87 or in my case 91 because <laughs> yeah. that's pretty much well, when the, i saw the only it. problem with this is that in buying it now we're buying it as adults it doesn't matter how much how fun it might be to play with it as a kid you have to justify getting it now as an adult and owning it for the rest of your adult life it's also five times its price yes getting it as a kid probably would have been a lot more fun mm. but i mean if, what makes it fun to own it now and forevermore mm. Yes, being a kid would be fine to have any of these. Absolutely. But I, I suppose it is important, though, that, you know, at least, I, and I can speak for myself, but the inner child in me is a very important part of my, my personality and, and who I am. And so I I, I do also feel that it is, it is important to, to nurture that inner child and to also just sometimes surrender myself to liking things the same way I would as I, or as I would have when I was 10. You know, so that's where I can I can sort of, side with Stephen's point on on how you you should sometimes look at this from the perspective of you know being that age no you can um, definitely the, do that but you also have to you have to balance it with being an adult now no totally, Gee, totally. Thanks, and, that's, and that's why <laughs> but the, no but that is why i've also said like one of the the biggest uh, and and the biggest thing that stands in our way as adults when it comes to these things it's not necessarily would we have fun playing with these because i'm pretty sure we, we would it's just can we afford to buy them, you know, because they are definitely more expensive now than they were when they originally came out. And they are far more expensive now than, than like if we had to put it in equivalent terms, had we been earning the same kind of money back then, this would have been an easier purchase as well. So, you know, there's also that. So, you know, we, and, and space, <laughs> it's not just the final frontier, you know, Okay, well that's cool. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's nice to be enlightened on the maggot a little bit. I, dev- I, I am seeing it under new eyes. I don't know if I'm completely sold on it, but I do, I do see the, uh, the appeal. Or I, I can see it through Stephen's eyes a little there with the whole, um, 
Nazi aesthetic. It does definitely have that obscure Nazi vehicle look to it, which does definitely give it a few pluses. But yeah, my biggest concern when looking, like I said, it looks like the one guns on stilts and it looks fangly and, and complicated. Yeah, I am scared of that thing breaking. I mean, I just, I'm seeing these 3D views and I'm seeing these two tabs and I'm like, oh, wow, that's such a good idea, but they probably break. <laughs> you know? But in a landlocked and, freighter was laughing at it. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, um, sorry we couldn't get you to buy a slugger, Steve. <laughs> and it's okay, Rob. man. I guess. To be perfectly honest with myself, the slugger isn't actually in that middle category for me. It's somewhere at the bottom. Whoa. Yeah. Mm. But, so, Steven, I mean, he, he rigged the game before we even started. Well, I realize, guys, I'm <laughs> very decisive now when it comes to my Joe purchases or even pondering things that I might like. You might have had a better time trying to convince me to get a locust. Which is something that at well, one... Well, you didn't mention the locust, did you? Well, at one point, I did <laughs> intensely want one. Now I'm kind of like, mm. meh, meh. Oh, I love my locust. I know you love I your love locust. It. I know, I know, I know. I just, I, I love that toy, so every time, I just, you you brought a smile to my face when you said locust. <laughs> so, I shared. <laughs> nice. Don't you mean I brought a smile to your face when I got you the locust? Oh. oh, so much so. Oh, yeah, no, dude, that's that's a great toy. I freaking love that toy. And it's even cooler now that I own an MCC because I can land it on there and it fits. What? Nice. Yeah, because yeah, that little helipad is so useless on the MCC anyway, but the Locust just works there. It's It just seems right, even proportionately. It just seems huh. right to be on there. Okay, I always well, looked at that and thought uh, Skyhawk. But if Locust fits, that's fantastic. Because, I mean, hello, the desert scheme, perfect. Mm. Yeah. Totally. Nice. I mean, usually the, the, the landing pad on the MCC for, for my uh, side of things is relegated to Joe's doing push-ups. <laughs> under the, you know. <laughs> beating that's hot sun. That's where they do push-ups. Under, exactly. Uh, beating hot sun on that, like, sort of rubbery kind of tarmac that they set up for for aircraft carriers i imagine that's the same kind of material that's there yeah they got to do them push-ups there you know under the you've been on the deck of an aircraft of... carrier there's nothing rubbery about those the, the... it is rubbery what? it was rubbery really? yeah it was very rubbery i remember like fe- uh, bending down and actually feeling it it's kind of like it's a lot like athletic track you know if you've ever been on on a Talking. proper athletic track where they it's that like rubbery. It's it's like a hard rubber. It's really interesting. I think actually. It's, isn't it tartan? It could be that. Yeah. It's it's like I don't know what it is. It's just it's like a hard rubbery kind of thing to it. Mm-hmm. I imagine that's so that it has a little bit of grip, you know, and it, that it expands and contracts in a in a manageable way. Having tarmac on there, I think, would be quite difficult to maintain, you know. So anyway, that was just my observation. Maybe I was you know having an out of body experience and wasn't feeling things properly with my sense of touch. I don't know. God knows. But, uh, yeah. Uh, someone in the know, <laughs> hit us up on the Podbean thread, because Cujo's going to be waiting for you there. Tell us what the deck of an aircraft carrier is. Because, I mean, surely if you are landing, like, a Harrier on the deck of a carrier, an amphibious carrier or otherwise, it's going to melt anything rubbery. Anyway, like I say, yeah, hit up Cujo we'll in the chats, yeah. man. Let us know. Set us straight. MC, DJ, ACDC unlocked the icebreaker achievement in the comments uh, last Whoa. week. Oh. Mm-hmm. Nice Cheers, brother. Crack that ice, brother. And um, 
yeah, I gotta say, uh, there's some cool stuff happening with Patreon um, this month, because now we're officially in the proper first month of Patreon, uh, because I did start it off at an awkward time, and now our our patrons get to have, you know, we'll start f- starting to feel the, we'll start to feel the benefits of being a Patreon member. Um, we did the first uh, sketch raffle, so the, the first winner of that is Ryan Sweeney. Um, so he'll be, you know, I just hey, need to... Hey, congrats, Ryan. Yeah, so we'll be sitting, well, I will set up a time to do a live stream with him. Um, just check if he's available. If he isn't, of course, available for a live stream, I will still live stream the sketch for our Patreon guys. And this is not because I want to put it behind a paywall. It's just, um, it's nice to draw just for the Patreons because I sometimes feel a bit shy when I draw, especially when I have to do something from scratch. <laughs> So everybody um, so, rush to Patreon yes. and give us a dollar a month and uh, make Paul very nervous. <laughs> give him a crowd to please. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's, uh, so I've got a sketch going, coming for him and I've got a sketch, another sketch coming for another gentleman, uh, one of our higher tiered uh, Patreon. So our highest tiered Patreon always gets a sketch um, or at least once and then, you know, I'll see how we cycle it. Um, everybody gets vouchers for Teespring when you join Patreon, um, except for recruits. Recruits don't get vouchers. Sorry, guys, but it, it, I can only really start giving you vouchers when you can pledge a little bit more than that, just because it balances out. Um, but yeah, they're not like stinky little vouchers. It's, uh, it's a $2 and a five, uh, $2 and a $4 voucher or $3 voucher, which might not sound like a lot, but, um, I don't make a lot of money on those shirts, so I'm, pretty much giving them to you for free you're just paying teespring <laughs> for the t-shirt so oh, that's a nice bonus I'm so that, happy we're yeah. paying the man awesome oh paul okay. yeah one day we'll not be bottom feeders one day one day gadget <laughs> one day no but i but i must say i really love the overwhelming support that the merch has been getting you know a lot of guys have picked up merch and as a bonus, you have been posting pictures of it. Yeah, um, well, and when I've merch, seen some of Paul, you, I congratulate you, man. Congratulations on thanks for putting man. good stuff out into the world. I'm very happy to hear that. Good original GI Joe swag. And let's hope that when G- when the Snake Eyes movie comes out, they don't hunt us down. Although to be fair, I don't use GI Joe in any of our products. So, haha. Mm, you're a sneaky rat. <laughs> they are autistic. There are artistic representations of characters that may or may not be G.I. Joe characters. Not saying that they're generic, but not saying that they aren't either. I have to be very smart how I word this. <laughs> um, I also see, speaking of that Snake Eyes movie, I see it comes out the day before my birthday. How fortuitous. <laughs> Guess what you're watching on your birthday. Uh, clearly, yeah. I am... Uh, when I see Larry Harmer say things like he, like they invited him, over uh, to come check things out and you know he gives sort of an appraisal on what he has seen already uh i'm hoping well i'm i can only take his word for it and he seems to be quite excited about it so that's nice you know that's that gets me a little excited about it as well i'm sure that is the whole the whole reason they invited him in the first place is to get us crotchety old joe fans to turn around and be like, hmm, okay, if Larry Harmer says it's okay, then it must be. Look, he 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 was not saying anything nasty about Rise of Cobra either. That is also true. Just to, just to kind of temper your comments, but like, I... No, agreed. I'm happy with the, the way Larry's conducting himself when it comes to the G.I. Joe IP. He is so bloody cordial. He is not a controversial figure in G.I. Joe. 
My word. Yeah. And um, <laughs> your favorite guy in the whole world, Cujo, Aubrey Citizen, uh, he was on The Toys That Made Us, the wrestling episode. Did you check that? You know I didn't, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, he was flexing his wrestling knowledge. Well, now it all makes sense why he likes burly, oiled-up guys kind of, you know, putting each other in headlocks and ass locks and whatever. Thank you for revisiting that. Achievement <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I hope he's doing well. I think he he busted out a couple comics since. Um, no, I think uh, if if we're in closeout, I'll chase Paul's words that uh, yeah, there's there's other people in the Joe Net. I think what you're gonna get from me this year is local coverage. I'm gonna try and make it to Joe Fest, uh, the Black Book, the first early adopters. If you got V1, you got a special place in my heart. It was twenty dollars. This one's twenty five. And next week I'll explain why and why it's uh. I might have re- reverse engineered the business model in one book, so you'll see. Uh, you'll see why it could change things. Um, so aside from that, uh, Joe Fest is in late June. The reason why I'm going to mention it every time we're on the air is because there's a lot of folks there. Enjoy fandom. People are always saying that, like, oh, you know, the the people that hate GI Joe most are the fandom. I, the storytellers have been shit in this era. I'm not. I'm not even. Gonna, I'm not even gonna blink. Uh, the editors have dropped the ball. This isn't on the fandom, and I'm. I'm gonna be the last person to hate on it. Like the GI Joe fans are well read. They're pillars in the community. They're smart people. If, if there's if there's drama, which there isn't, um, it's not from the fandom. I salute you guys. We always sort out our own business and. Uh, much respect to everybody involved, obviously. I think um, Full Force D80, he covers most of the Midwest conventions. So if you're looking where Joe fans are turning up, make sure and find the Full Force. Joe Fest in late June, uh, Comic-Con Revolution. Uh, yeah, I think that's all I got. Okay, so I just want to quickly do a small little recap because I unfortunately got to miss the last episode that we did of G.I. Joe Berg where we spoke about six-inch uh, figures in general and the whole six-inch G.I. Joe thing. And uh, I don't want to go and like drop in a whole monologue here, but I just want to just sort of, you know, recap a few things. Firstly, I got to say Larry Homer, very cool of him to, you know, he was called out on making a few continuity errors with regards to certain G.I. Joes. He apologized. Like a true gentleman, he was. I uh, saw his post on Facebook. He was like, "I'm really sorry." You know, he has a list. Clearly, it hasn't been updated properly. My bad. That's it. He apologized. Awesome. I love that. Own that shit. That's cool. It's cool to see a creative do that. Um, you know, this kind of thing is not easy. And you know, something like GI Joe, it's not like a huge book for everybody. It doesn't have like fifty thousand editors doing continuity checks on it, like the X Men. And let me just say this: the X Men and DC have enough continuity errors to fill the freaking Titanic, okay? So, yeah, so anybody who wants to, uh, like, I understand that that can be an irritation, but to see a, a guy actually own it, a writer own it, not make an excuse, that was great. So, thank you, Larry. I was actually thinking about that this afternoon and thinking, like, other books that have been running as long as Joe have had multiple writers of 
some of greater standing, some of lesser standing, some of equal standing. But if they have a continuity flub, it's forgivable because there's been a handover from one writer to the next. And, of course, they are not intimately aware with what the previous writer did with the cast of characters. First, second, or third tiers. With Larry, he's the be-all and end-all. The buck stops with him, man. And we are all fallible. No, totally. Like... He has made far fewer errors than could be expected of anyone else in his position, who is marshalling hundreds of characters at this point, and about 35 more or more years of continuity. How many years is it now? 37? It's going to be 40 years pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, that's, that's pretty impressive. I mean, you know... The-, it, the buck always stops with him, and this is what I said in, the, in, in previous podcasts, that like, how do you ever challenge the man? How do you ever say to Larry, hang on, Larry, um, are you sure this guy's still alive? Because you kind of abdicate your responsibility as an editor. You're like, no, Larry knows what he's doing. I'm sure Larry knows what he's yeah. doing. I'm sure Larry knows what he's doing a lot better <laughs> than I know what he's doing. You know, I was editor yeah. e- editor on five other books before this. I read everything, but it's, it's filed in the back there somewhere. So uh, I'm just going to let Larry make the call. Yeah, dude. Uh, this, this, there's no reason to make a witch hunt out of it. Exactly. Rosebud. And also, and, and also just what I wanted to say is, like, thank you to Larry Homer for just reminding some of us, you know, like how to actually, you know, own our shit, because that was cool to see. Um, Six-inch G.I. Joes uh, sounds great. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to own three or four of them. Um, I can't tell you which ones now because I want to see the sculpts. The sculpts might be so horrible that I don't want to own any of them. Uh, when I have them, not entirely sure what I'm going to do with them other than pose them up, maybe keep them around the desk. Uh, that could be fun. Um, it would definitely prolong the life of my more valued four-inch and, and modern era figures, or my, should I say my modern era and vintage Joes because, well, they will get a little less um, fiddle time um therefore you know thereby pro- prolonging their existence um but yeah i don't know what i'm going to do with them i might oh well what's cool is is my t-rex is to scale with six inch figures so i can feed them to my t-rex that's cool too um but also as a reminder uh bobby vala um he did action force figures and he was one of the, I, I'm, if i'm not mistaken he was actually one of the guys that designed and worked on six inch gi joes for hasbro before they all got shit canned so yeah, so I think he, you know, he, was he knows what they're going to look like in uh, the six-inch Marvel Legends. I don't know if he actually, yeah. during his tenure, got to work on six-inch Joe, but he definitely knew the writing was on the wall that that was definitely the direction things were going, which is why Action Force was prescient in that regard. Yeah, uh, and that's the thing, you know, those Action Force figures are looking pretty good. Um, I mean, listen, it's up to you whether you like the design of the characters or not, but the quality of the figures uh, is awesome. And um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the model that we can use to gauge what the G.I. Joe stuff is going to well, be like. Well, the bar's In been fact, set. In fact, I'd actually say yeah, that's man. the benchmark. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Action Force sets a high bar so, for those six-inch Joes. be interesting to see if they can match the butterfly joints, the detail, the modular, you know, equipment. And the, and the sculpt detail on the weapons, you know. <laughs> um but if there's one thing that they have to get right on the six-inch Joes, they better make those weapons super awesome. Because at that scale, I want sexy-looking guns, not freaking, you know, Nerf guns. I want cool-looking machine guns, and they've got to bring it to the table somehow. Uh, let's see if they can do it, you know. 
but uh yeah so that's that's my my final on the on the gi joe figures rob what did you want to say man I was just saying we're going to see soon enough at the end of Feb, so expect a future episode where we actually discuss the real figures. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the 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 question is, will GI Joeberg spend money on six inch figures? Find out at the end of February from what is it? It's going to be a toy con <laughs> so, or something. Anything else? Anybody got anything? Nope, I'm going back to the bunker. That's what we I don't. Hell um, yeah, get them bunkers. I'm going to need a surveillance port to knock out that mud fighter. Mm-mm. I got nothing to say other than... I love, I love you guys. guys! It's so good to be chatting, man. Oh, we love you, Steve. Yeah, yeah. there's some I great, guys too. cool podcasts out there. I'm so happy I'm a member of one of them. <laughs> and it's a goodie. I actually had somebody at the party I went to yesterday compliment us on some of the most recent G.I. Joe book stuff we had done. They really enjoyed Yin Yang and Bad Luck Lady. Not in that they sequence. Actually... Though I realize those two episodes are interchangeable. You know you can watch them out of sequence and still be okay. I did not know that because I've never watched them out of sequence. And um, yeah. It just has a slightly mystifying like question mark start. But uh, that's not exactly out of place in this post-Christopher Nolan uh, screenplay world. <laughs> this is true. And I also had somebody um, uh, somebody comment on how, well, the first time they had ever seen Snake Eyes, so they assumed he was a bad guy, and that was such a novel thing to hear. I was like, oh, wow. And then I was like, oh, kudos, Steve. That's like such smart writing you did there. <laughs> you know, that was quite cool. So it's, it's nice to hear... I'm looking forward, like, if there's one thing I'm excited about with Snake Eyes the movie, is all of the new fans and seeing how they react to certain characters and things like that. And maybe we have a whole huge flock of people that come over to get into G.I. Joburg's play motion things, as well as Troy's and Glenn's and Andrew's and all of that stuff as we go forward. So, cool. Anyway, enough of that. I love you guys. And uh, my power is going to go out in an hour if uh, they stick to the schedule. So that's fine. And <laughs> enjoy your enjoy your, your sleep. It's going to be completely dark. Hello, yeah. darkness, my old friend. I'm gonna... That's exactly <laughs> my thing. i with you it... again. Yeah, exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, Simon and Garfunkel. Woo! <laughs> Steven and Simon and Garfunkel. We are terrible. Somebody get us off the air now. We're out. Bye. Cheers. Bye. I like it. Ninja run.